0: Welcome to Regenerative Medicine Today. This is John Murphy.
1: And I'm Leah Kaufman. Before we begin, I'd like to invite our listeners to tell us more about their interests. So that we can bring you the interviews and information you'd like to hear, we hope you'll take a few moments to complete the listener survey on our website at www.regenerativemedicinetoday.com. All survey respondents will be entered into a drawing for a McGowan Institute fleece vest.
0: Thanks, Leah. And now for today's podcast. Would you please tell us about our guest?
1: Yes. Dr. Peter Katona has helped to shape the field of biomedical engineering first as a researcher and department chair at Case Western, and then as a program director at the National Science Foundation, and then as a vice president at the Whitaker Foundation, which he then led as president and CEO until the foundation's planned closing in June 2006. In today's podcast, you'll hear Dr. Katona talk about the Whitaker Foundation's role in marrying biology to engineering to make biomedical engineering a discipline in its own right. And he has some great advice for young people considering a career in the field.
0: Thanks, Leah. Now let's hear your conversation with
1: Dr. Katona now. We're joined today by Dr. Peter G. Katona, who until recently uh, led the Whitaker Foundation which was a large multi-million dollar foundation based out of Washington, D.C. And there's an interesting story there about why that foundation is no longer. But a big part of what the foundation did was help to set the direction of biomedical engineering in this country. Dr. Katona, why don't you first tell us what biomedical engineers do for a living?
2: Well, depending on who you talk to, you uh, will hear a lot of uh, different uh, definitions. The uh, simplest definition that uh, dates back maybe uh, 20 years, uh, maybe even more, is using um, engineering uh, techniques and approaches to solve problems in biology and uh, medicine. I think these days um, the definition is much more um, elaborate, and in fact, the NIH has a definition uh, that dates, I think, to 1997, which is a long paragraph, Uh, and uh, certainly uh, I don't have it um, in front of me, but um, it essentially says the combination of um, engineering um, and biological techniques to really solve a problem. And I think the difference is from the uh, way biomedical engineers used that problems in the past is that in the past they said, well, I know this particular area of engineering or that particular of engineering, and I'm looking around what kind of uh, biological problems I could solve. The uh, more contemporary biomedical engineer starts with a problem, and he or she brings um, a variety of techniques to solve that problem. So rather than a problem um, looking, um, uh, rather than a solution looking for a problem, uh, they are working on a problem and bringing engineering uh, techniques together with biological techniques to solve uh, problems.
1: Traditionally, was there a difference in the way that the field of engineering solved a problem and the way that biology approached a problem? Uh, I'm thinking about the difference you just described. Is that because one field was disparate from the other?
2: Yes. uh, Traditionally, um, and again, I have to go back a little bit um, in the past, the engineers said that we are going to bring mathematical engineering rigor to biology.
1: So they had a technique, they had a skill set, they were going to bring it to a new field.
2: But now, uh, the way I look at the field, and uh, one young um, faculty member at a uh, recent site visit uh, indicated that uh, in uh, current uh, modern biomedical engineering Uh, it is necessary to bring biological rigor to engineering approaches. Hmm. And I think there's a huge difference uh, the way Uh, Bioengineers or biomedical engineers um, are being uh, educated now than they used to be educated in the past.
1: When you say biological rigor, do you mean the application of the scientific method so that you're actually forming a hypothesis and testing it? No, it is in
2: fact the knowledge, knowledge of of some of the biological techniques, uh, knowing the basics of biology. Um, I think traditionally, and certainly uh, my, tr- my uh, quotation, my biological training was very, very f- uh, flimsy. Uh, I th- never took a uh, honest and course in biology. Uh, one cannot imagine a biomedical engineer now uh, without knowing some basic uh, biology.
1: I'm wondering if the mathematical and physical rules of engineering apply to biological systems.
2: Oh, I, th- I really think that uh, they do. I think they okay. have to be applied with, uh, um, with uh, an understanding of um, what uh, one may use, uh, what one may not use. In physics, um, people always make assumptions. And uh, when you do some uh, mathematical description of biology, you have to make assumptions. And uh, you have to be quite sophisticated about what assumptions you make. And um, in the past, some of those assumptions were really pretty naive. Let's assume that there's a a heart that is uh, that is uh, cylindrical. Let's assume a heart that is um, spherical. These days, uh, people um, uh, get models of what the heart really looks like, and they are using mathematical techniques applied to the uh, to the uh, to the uh, a heart that is realistic. So, I think that if we are using realistic assumptions, uh, using uh, some contemporary uh, appropriate engineering techniques, you can, in fact, use engineering techniques to describe uh, biology. But right. they're
1: certainly not as um, as sort of pedestrian, I, not to use ter- that term in an insulting way, as a sidewalk or a bridge, because you're talking about systems in motion and evolution and they're dynamic, they're changing all the time. So these that's are, exactly right. these are very complex problems for both biologists and engineers, I think That's right, imagine. and I
2: think that's why the... Um, current uh, way of educating uh, uh, biomedical engineers is so different from the past uh, because certainly um, uh, one could assume a civil engineer could say, well, I know how to build a bridge um, and I know how to model uh, beams uh, and so on. Um, as a result, um, I know how to uh, model uh, cardiac dynamics, mm-hmm. but um, unfortunately, without the basic biological and physiological knowledge, uh, he or she could not do it. So you are absolutely right; um, it is much more sophisticated. Uh, uh, it requires much more sophisticated knowledge to uh, to um, apply um, engineering techniques to a living system.
1: And what is the Whitaker Foundation? Just tell me a brief history of the foundation and what it's done to influence this field of biomedical engineering.
2: Well, the Whitaker Foundation was uh, set up after the death of uh, Mr. U. A. Whitaker, who started a company called Amp Incorporated in Harrisburg, uh, Pennsylvania. And Mr. Whitaker fe- himself felt that um, engineering uh, solutions or engineering could be used to solve problems in biology and medicine. And um, when he died, um, the foundation um, uh, was set up. And Mr. Whitaker um, did not specify what the foundation would do. But uh, the uh, leaders of the foundation at that time decided that since Whitaker was interested in uh, health related um, uh, problems and he felt the uses of medicine, um, the foundation started a program that would help uh, young investigators. Um, bridge the gap between um, engineering and uh, medicine. So we started a uh, research grant program for young investigators. Then the foundation in 1991 uh, decided to go out of business in 2006 and uh, spend all of its uh, funds. And the reason why it decided to do that, because um, uh, there was a realization that if you spend more money, you would have more impact. So also they uh, saw the uh, tremendous um, enhancements in biology, and uh, the feeling was that um, engineering um, approaches in biological uh, in the biological arena uh, could be uh, enhanced in a very major way. So the decision was made to spend um, uh, not only the interest but on the um, uh, capital as well, and as a result, the funding uh, changed from about uh, fifteen million dollars a year to as high as um, it was uh, over $80 million uh, just a year before we closed in 2006.
1: The leadership must have felt very confident that in a 15-year span they could um, sort of achieve their mission, or, or were they confident because they already were achieving their mission, they just knew that they could do it better?
2: I think that, uh, frankly, I think that uh, they, uh, they took a risk. Uh, I don't think that any of us uh, predicted. I certainly did not predict uh, what happened in the past uh, 15 years. Uh, For example, the number of departments uh, tripled uh, Mm -hmm. over this time period. The number of students enrolled in the field um, uh, has uh, tripled. um, And the uh, foundation really uh, wanted to enhance the field. We didn't know how to measure it. Mm -hmm. And uh, it turns out that uh, we were really kind of uh, very fortunate because we concentrated on education, we concentrated on uh, universities, we um, advocated the uh, creation of departments, not because we wanted to set up barriers, but because departments uh, are the organizations that have clout at modern uh, universities. So looking back, uh, one can lucky enough measure how many departments there were, how many different departments there are. And uh, it is really quite um, amazing uh, to me to see this uh, tremendous increase, which happened over uh, last uh, 10 years.
1: Mm-hmm. I read that, your, that the foundation had as its goal, and I, actually these are your words, I'm sure, because it's in a paper you wrote, uh, to educate generations of That's researchers right. rather than to fund individual projects. And they did that as well. But... The overarching goal was to develop a foundation for an emerging field, or for a field that had emerged but was in its adolescence, perhaps, and to bring it into maturity. So you really have done that in 15 years. How many new departments of biomedical engineering would you guess there have been in the last decade? Well, I think
2: that uh, it tripled, uh, at least tripled from about uh, 25. Wow. I think it is uh, over 70. I think it is getting close to uh, 80. Um, I think uh, one very important um, uh, development is that uh, many of these departments have undergraduate programs. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, there was really quite a bit of uh, controversy about whether or not uh, having uh, departments is a good thing, whether or not undergraduate um, education is a good thing in biomedical engineering. And my feeling, if it is done right, it is a good thing. But it's not the only thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly, I don't, wouldn't want to um, advocate that all biomedical engineering work should be done in a biomedical engineering department. Mm-hmm. Um, as somebody uh, uh, mentioned, um, I think it was Dr. Nerim mentioned that biomedical engineering is too important to leave it up to biomedical engineering departments. Mm-hmm. Uh, we really love to see the infusion of uh, biological knowledge into um, all of. Um, engineering. I see. And the reason why the uh, Foundation uh, concentrated on education, because we knew that we were going to uh, uh, close down, and if you look at the future, uh, it is talented people Mm -hmm. are the ones who make the future, and that's what we really wanted to achieve.
1: Well, there's more going on here, too, than the vision of Mr. Whitaker and the vision of the Foundation's leaders. It also so happens, or maybe it's not coincidental, that medicine is moving in a more device-intensive direction. It's increasing in complexity all the time with uh, bigger problems to solve and more and more devices, I guess, in use clinically all the time. Was that an accident or was that, a, well,
2: I, that something I really would you like, recognized? I really would like to sort of emphasize it's not only devices. Clearly more devices are being used, but uh, bioengineering, and biomedical engineering uh, go far beyond devices. If it would be only devices, then certainly electrical engineers and mechanical engineers uh, would be uh, marvelous, um, uh, very well qualified to uh, uh, build devices. But I think what has happened is that uh, chemical engineering, chemistry, basic biology uh, uh, became very important. And as a result, bioengineers not only build devices, but they uh, develop tissues. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And for
2: example, at uh, this university, uh, I've... I knew it before, but uh, I've just talked to uh, some um, uh, faculty members, and it's really uh, very impressive to see how uh, bioengineers are uh, uh, major participants in the development of uh, tissues, in uh, materials, and uh, one might call them devices, but uh, one should not think of devices like pacemakers or artificial hips. It is really much more than that. And I think it is the basic biology that grew up uh, within the past uh, 20 years that um, helped uh, the um, uh, the field. Mm-hmm. I think Whittaker alone, without the biological uh, revolution, uh, would not have been able to uh, uh, help the creation of uh, this many departments. I think the field would not be thriving uh, as it is now uh, without the... Um, uh, biological influence, and without going toward more biology. Mm-hmm.
1: So it's, uh, it's not a happy accident that <laughs> the no, Foundation it, it, has extent, focused on?
2: Well, I think it is a happy accident. <laughs> uh, uh, I don't think that um, in 1991 we foresaw quite the um, uh, enhancements uh, that would be taking place in uh, biology. I'm not too sure that uh, people talked about stem cells at that time. Um, the term tissue engineering, I think, had been just uh, created. Um, so it looked like that the winds were uh, blowing from the right direction. But I don't think that we could really foresee. Mm-hmm. At least I did not foresee. I don't. Th- in all fairness, I don't think that the uh, that the uh, uh, leaders of the uh, foundation uh, before '91 foresaw. Uh, the uh, uh, tremendous changes that would happen in science.
1: And I guess when I mentioned devices I was thinking that at that point it was sort of a device intensive field. And this building where we sit was founded um, you know, 20 years ago or so on the notion of artificial organs alone and evolved around the same time that the Whitaker Foundation took this turn towards um, supporting biomedical engineering well. to the tissue engineering realm and the regenerative medicine realm. So uh, sort of a historical note. Um, it's very interesting that you may not the foundation may not have foreseen that turn, but certainly helped to to give it momentum.
2: I think and that is uh, that is going. right. Well, just uh, just uh, you mentioned uh, history. I might mention that the uh, very first research grant that um, I understand um, uh, was given uh, in 1970. 1976 or 77 was to Dr. Pierce at the University of Pennsylvania, and that was for an artificial heart. Mm -hmm. So absolutely, at the beginning, we primarily supported uh, device-oriented developments, Um, but uh, because of the uh, new approaches. Uh, our scientific advisors uh, advise us to support, support uh, this proposal, that proposal, or third proposal, and uh, many of those were not so much device-oriented, but they are more biologically oriented, uh, tissue engineering-oriented um, uh, approaches. And certainly, um, uh, one area that um, we supported uh, many many grants in is imaging. Mm-hmm. And that has changed tremendously over the, um, over the years um, as well. Uh, different uh, modalities have been in, uh, introduced, uh, different uh, uh, processing techniques are being used and uh, it has certainly contributed to the um, uh, enhancements of the field.
1: Yeah, imaging has really exploded over the last decade as well, no doubt in part to the Whitaker Foundation support. It's so we think of it, we lay people think of it as an absolutely important and minimally, if non invasive, diagnostic tool. I think a lot of people don't realize that it's used to understand the mechanics of tissues and of fluids and whatnot as they work in place, which is so vital if you're going to recreate those elements at the lab bench or or heal them in a body later on, what that's have you. A, that's
2: so. exactly right. And uh, it's sort of interesting because I, that uh, uh, brings up uh, just about an hour ago, I talked to a, uh, a researcher and uh, uh, he was interested in um, understanding um, uh, tissue and uh, he was shaking it uh, at uh, 100 hertz, 100 times um, a second, and I asked the question, why do you do that? Uh, uh, nature doesn't uh, uh, shake anything at 100 uh, hertz, and he said, we really don't do that because of that, but we really want to characterize the tissue. And uh, if you uh, do the um, uh, excitation uh, at different frequencies, you really learn about these tissues. Um, uh, what their basic properties are, and uh, you can uh, design uh, the tissue better for eventual physiological um, applications. So you're absolutely right. Um, Some of the techniques I use to uh, learn basic understanding, but since we are engineers, um, I think it is uh, terribly important to uh, uh, also uh, be involved in the uh, transferring of the basic knowledge to the uh, clinical world.
1: I'm interested to hear about these fields that are the consolidation of what we used to think of as distinct fields. And I wonder if the expectation for what people can master, the amount of knowledge that they can master, has really increased. Um, You used to expect somebody to just be an expert in in one element of biology, the genetics of a fruit fly, for instance. And now we've got people walking around with a whole lot of knowledge working on a daily basis?
2: Well, I think that this is a very, very um, appropriate question, and frankly, that is what educators continuously uh, debate. And uh, certainly at uh, faculty meetings, since I used to be a faculty, I know that uh, we spent a lot of our time, do we teach this or uh, do we teach uh, that? The way I look at it is there are two ways um, in which um, since we talk about bioengineering, uh, they could be, uh, uh, they could be uh, educated. One is what I call uh, the bridge method, uh, saying that uh, we train you to be uh, primarily an engineer, uh, say mechanical engineer, electrical engineer. You really need to do a little bit about uh, physiology or biology because you will apply your knowledge, and uh, as a result, we build a, a flimsy little bridge between a little bit of biology and a lot of engineering. You could also say that um, uh, a biologist uh, really should be a biologist first and might uh, need to understand uh, something about engineering. This is what I call the bridge of philosophy educating. I think with uh, the modern bioengineering education, what uh, has happened is that uh, students um, gain a relatively broad base, both in engineering and biology. And uh, it is really at the intersection Uh, where their knowledge peaks. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that knowledge, uh, that peak of knowledge can be programmed to occur right in between, closer to engineering, closer to biology. And I think what is important is that people are trained to do something really very, very well. And um, actually, some time back, I heard a discussion between two very well-known, highly respected individuals. One said that... uh, You really have to essentially uh, train physicists to be physicists and uh, then they can solve problems in biology. And the other person, it really doesn't matter um, where the center of mass of of, uh, their knowledge lies. They should know something very well and it could be anywhere um, uh, on the spectrum of um, engineering to uh, biology. And uh, certainly what we have done in the foundation, we have subscribed to the second. Um, um, way of educating people, which is the uh, interaction uh, between the two. It is the integrative view that uh, the foundation uh, subscribed to, because that is what's unique to bioengineering.
1: You mentioned that there was debate about whether undergraduates were ready to be educated in bioengineering or if that was appropriate. Is that because the knowledge domain can be so huge and overwhelming that they may not quite be ready for it? They may not have this the basis for... Yes, I think that was, uh,
2: yeah, I think that was probably the uh, main reason. Another reason, uh, really, um, has been the uh, worry that um, uh, industry would not uh, hire um, students with a bioengineering degree because they felt that they would not be specialized enough
1: with an undergraduate. Bio- an, oh, with an okay. undergraduate, they were expecting um, uh, graduate degree, degree level. That's
2: right. So um, it turns out that um, there was a ten or fifteen-year period when the number of uh, undergraduate engineering programs uh, was essentially constant. And uh, I think it is to a great extent because of Petitica's influence that the number of undergraduate programs uh, started to go up. And I think that the growth of the uh, undergraduate programs uh, is even more impressive than the growth of the graduate programs in terms of the numbers. Um, And uh, Again, rather than having uh, 20 to 25, uh, there are probably over 70 undergraduate programs now.
1: What's the job market like for somebody coming out with an undergraduate degree in bioengineering?
2: It is really kind of uh, hard to know. Uh, Typically, what um, we say, and that's what we typically hear, that one-third of the students uh, go to medical school, one-third go to uh, graduate school, and one-third seeking jobs. But I think it is, um, at best, an average. Uh, different um, universities concentrate on different um, aspects. Some of research universities train primarily researchers and some uh, universities uh, train uh, engineers and they don't even have a PhD program. Um, so I think it is really important to recognize that uh, different universities train uh, people differently. Uh, at the moment uh, there's a tremendous uh, job opportunity for uh, a PhD level uh, uh, biomedical engineers because there are many departments that are looking for faculty and in fact it is exceedingly competitive. Uh, the traditional view was that um, uh, students with a master's degree got a job in industry uh, without uh, too much uh, difficulty and uh, as I mentioned um, that was very about um, undergraduates. I think it's a little bit early, too early to tell. Uh, what uh, is going to um, happen because the bulk of the students are still in the uh, pipeline and my feeling is that uh, if the students are well educated, and most of them are, um, uh, they will find a job but they'll find exactly what they wish, it's too hard to to tell but um, biomedical engineers should be educated in such a way that uh, they are problem solvers Uh, They should be um, able to um, uh, learn as they go on. Certainly, it's not expected that uh, they would be uh, using just those techniques that they had learned in school. So I think if they are flexible, if they are bright, and uh, they are um, uh, adaptable, um, they will find a a job. But when I was a faculty member, very often... um, parents came to me and uh, asked me, uh, well, um, my um, uh, daughter Katie is interested in um, in uh, biomedical engineering, would she get a job? And uh, I always told the parent that uh, you should not uh, let Katie get into biomedical engineering because uh, you are hoping that uh, she would get a job, but because she's interested in the field. And I feel that's exactly right. Uh, I think that, that um, Students should get an excellent uh, education, and um, then the situation will take care of it. One thing that I think is important is that um, biomedical engineering might not be for everybody. I think if you want to be a biomedical engineer, you have to be a risk taker. I think you have to um, uh, be willing to learn a lot. Uh, you have to um, understand that you have to be flexible, and you really have to be pr- pretty smart. So um, when we went on site visits at many universities, uh, uh, we were often told, maybe almost always told, that uh, the biomedical students are among the very best, uh, not only at the university, but um, uh, in engineering school as well. And I really like that. I I really feel that uh, biomedical training, as you mentioned before, um, involves um, Education, both in biology and in engineering, they have to be uh, especially talented people. And if it's considered to be somewhat of an elite field, that is good. And I think it should be considered kind of an elite um, uh, field. And um, students so, who are admitted into a biomedical program should be proud. That's mm-hmm. what I really would like to uh, see in the uh, future. I don't think that it is uh, for everybody.
1: I have one last question about the, the sort of evolution of somebody into the field. The field's founders were trained before departments of biomedical engineering existed. They came to it from from many different directions. To be a biomedical engineer, um, to, say, have done something different as an undergrad and to end up in it uh, in grad school, uh, you know, must one come through a biomedical engineering program? Is it just that competitive in slots for grad school, or is it possible to um, have been a pre-medical student or a chemistry major or a strain engineering undergrad or what have you? It's
2: absolutely the latter, uh, in uh, my view, because I uh, really emphasized uh, flexibility. Mm -hmm. And uh, I sort of mentioned that biomedical engineering is too important to leave it to biomedical engineers. So uh, I really would not want to say that in order to become a biomedical engineer you have to start as a biomedical engineering um, undergraduate. The chances are that if you started um, art um, as one, uh, you will continue being one because uh, you had shown uh, quite a bit of uh, devotion to the, uh, to the field. But you're absolutely right. The um, uh, people who were pioneers in the uh, 60s, they were engineers who were interested in biological problems and some of them, they were MDs, who were um, interested in uh, some technological solutions. Um, but uh, now I really feel very strongly that one should not be prescriptive Um, And actually, in the foundation, uh, we had some uh, attempts to uh, specify what the ideal biomedicine curriculum uh, should be, and uh, I'm so delighted that we failed. Uh, I don't think that there should be um, a single biomedicine program, because as I mentioned, different universities have different strengths, and uh, they should... uh, uh, educate students uh, that would uh, utilize their uh, strength so that uh, they transmit uh, their strengths to the student.
1: And if your vision of somebody becoming a specialist on a large continuum of knowledge in the intersection between engineering and biology uh, is coming to pass, then of course, there is no, there really is no ideal curriculum. That's exactly (laughs) right. And
2: that's the reason why I advocate not to have uh, an ideal biomechanical program. It would be different at uh, Pittsburgh than at Michigan um, uh, Technological Institute or, um, or uh, UC Berkeley.
1: Well I'm thinking it may be different from student to student within one institution for that matter. There may be people who would want to lean um, more to one side than the other, but you know chemistry versus biology versus um, engineering versus medicine versus the lab versus the clinic and what have you.
2: Certainly on the basis of my uh, visit here I see that uh, students uh, work with a wide variety of um, uh, faculty members, some of them uh, in um, engineering, and some of them in the uh, medical school, working with uh, clinicians, and uh, that is right. I, I, I very often uh, also feel that um, it is the student that is the glue between engineering and uh, medicine, and uh, they are the glue between the uh, engineering school and the medis- and the uh, medical school. And I think that um, uh, here in uh, Pittsburgh uh, you have those um, uh, two institutions and. Uh, I understand that uh, you have a lot of glue, because a lot of students come into the department.
1: (laughs) Yes, our glue. (laughs) Uh, Finally, I'd like to ask if you feel confident that the field is established well enough to endure without the backing of the Whitaker Foundation.
2: Yes, I feel confident that the field endure as long as you uh, define the field as the intersection of engineering and uh, medicine. If you ask me uh, would all of the 80 or 90 90, uh, departments would thrive in the future, I really would not be able to tell you that. Um, It is clear though that um, uh, the biologists are looking uh, to engineers to uh, help them in a variety of areas. It is very clear that uh, the engineers, biomedical engineers who are well trained can define problems. Um, and uh, they can um, uh, help biologists but they can also um, uh, do research and uh, make major contributions themselves. They work with physicians who are seeking um, uh, technological solutions. So there's no question that biomedical engineer types are needed and uh, the field will thrive but I don't want to imply that that uh, it will thrive uh, at the uh, detriment of uh, electrical engineers who might be working on electrical engineering problems or electrical problems and mechanical engineers who are working on rehabilitation. I feel that uh, the field as a whole uh, will um, uh, will um, uh, thrive and um, I think that uh, what will happen is that all of engineering will have uh, Uh, biology infused into it. In fact, I I came up with a word, I occasionally use it, and uh, it's not a word that's in the dictionary, but I um, uh, call it the biofication of engineering. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think it is going to um, uh, continue in the future.
1: Okay. Is there anything I've missed that you'd like to add?
2: No, I really don't, because um, I think you asked about um, education. That is probably the most important uh, um, thing that we have done, um, I feel very strongly about uh, that people uh, in bio- Biomedical Community Department need to understand the different ways of educating uh, people. I think the question about um, about uh, job opportunities is really very appropriate. Uh, I might just add that uh, in the Whitaker Foundation uh, we were often asked this question and uh, some people suggested that we uh, conduct a uh, um, survey of um, assessing the uh, uh, job markets for the future, and uh, for better or worse, I never wanted to have a survey like that because I wouldn't believe the results. Seeing what happened in the past uh, 10 or 15 years, I don't believe that uh, when we ask uh, people who are working now in the current situation, about how many biomechanics would be needed in the future if we would get a good answer or a, a reliable answer. Mm-hmm. So as a result, we have never conducted a survey like that. Um, what I really would like to um, sort of re-emphasize is that um, I think the solution of, to, to that um, issue is... Um, Educating the students in such a way that they are really experts in something. Mm-hmm. Whether it is on one end or the other end or at the intersection is not as important that they really know something very well. And the biomedical engineers, the way I look at it, uh, they are experts at the middle.
1: So I think I hear you saying that the world will reward you for doing something well.
2: Well, I don't know.
1: <laughs> well, if,
2: if people hurry up, because uh, we are getting on with age, and I think that we will be rewarded if uh, they come up with marvelous biomedical solutions uh, to problems that uh, we will face in the future.
1: But being able to offer a skill set or or a uh, an approach oh, coming, to coming well,
2: about coming up with uh, with better cartilage, uh, coming yeah. up uh, with uh, uh, better ways of taking
0: care of ourselves.
2: Yeah.
1: Okay. Thank you so much for joining us today.
0: Thank you. My pleasure. Thanks, Leah. I enjoyed that discussion. For more information about Dr. Katona, see the links at our website, regenerativemedicinetoday.com.
1: And don't forget to join us for our next podcast on the latest from the field of regenerative medicine coming to you in late September.
0: If you have ideas for future podcasts or you'd just like to give us some feedback, please send us an email at mail at regenerativemedicinetoday.com. We can't reply to individual emails, but we do welcome your suggestions. And let me remind you that we are not physicians and cannot provide diagnoses or medical advice.
1: We do hope you'll stay subscribed to the RSS feed of this podcast, sponsored by the McGowan Institute for Regenerative Medicine, at www.regenerativemedicinetoday.com. And do join us again in a few weeks.